Yo, yo. Uh, welcome to another Fight Podcast. This is your boy Mayron. As always, I'm here with Dave. What's going on, everybody? Um, so it's been, a, it's been a little bit of time since our last episode. We wanted to start this episode by acknowledging uh, coach and brother Nazim Richardson. Um, he has passed along to the hereafter. Uh, may Allah bless his soul and uh, we pray for him and family. And hope everyone there is doing well. It's a huge loss to the boxing community and the combat sports world in general. He was a big pillar of everything that went around in boxing, in my opinion. Everything good about boxing. Um, do you want to talk about him first, Dave? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to uh, Brother Nazim, man, to me, he is like, aside from like Bernard Hopkins, he is Philly boxing. Like, he is indicative of what everything about Philly boxing is from the style to the way that they talk to um, how they fight in the ring. That is Philly boxing right there. He was and being Hopkins Muslim. training. He was uh, Shane Mosley's trainer, Steve Cunningham, Carl, Carl Dagan. Like, he was an incredible trainer. Um, I feel like a lot of people, like semi Casual boxing fans probably know him best for catching Antonio Margarito's loaded hand wraps. He fought Shane Mosley. But, you know, it was like for me as a boxing fan, anytime there was like a clip or someone pulled him aside and talked to him, I always watched it no matter what. And he also showed a ton of love to like DMV boxing as well. Like he was one of the few people that was talking about Jared Hurd before he was even a champion. You know, so like, he was just so knowledgeable. He was just so indicative of like that old school inner city boxing like figure, and like and it he, really hurt me a lot when because that was my favorite trainer ever. So like that was like I was really shocked by that. And and he was very present. Um, he came around DMV boxing every so often as well. Like he would show his face. Like I remember seeing him once or twice, just you know going to local fights. Like he he made that trip down ninety five. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, all the things you said definitely are true and like in that he's a staple of Philly boxing, even down to him being Muslim is just like, it's mm -hmm. very like, it's very typical of like Philadelphia area and mm -hmm. Philadelphia boxing and his style and the way he talked and the way he thought about the boxing game was very, very, I think, quintessential also American, like mm -hmm. American in the sense of black America, right? Like very quintessential, like American right. in the way he thought about it. Um, there's this one quote about him distinguishing Broner from Mayweather. Uh, Broner is an offensive fighter who has good defense. Mayweather is a defensive fighter who has incredible offense. And like, just like quips like that were very, like he was so insightful without having to use like long-winded explanations, something that you and I aren't. <laughs> um, exactly. Like he yeah. just gets it. Like even like when he, the most, like one of the most iconic clips is from the Margarita fight when he was telling Shane Mosley, you got to swim without getting wet. Yes. Like, Perfect, perfect boxing talk. Like, yeah, and it's just like to go that. like go back to like the whole like um, him being Muslim. That's very important because like for a lot of his fighters, he was like also that sort of like imam figure as well as a trainer. I know very like, much a spiritual guy. Yes, yeah. Um, Bernard Hop like Bernard Hopkins. That was like his like father figure essentially, and like more in boxing and in spirituality. So it's like he's very important. And also, like, very indicative of what I feel like a good example of a boxing trainer should be. Like, that is what it is. And you didn't hear too much 
controversy around him. You didn't hear too much like there's some trainers who really look for the for the limelight here, you know? And right. you didn't really hear that about him. And he was only like fifty five, right? He wasn't yeah, he that wasn't, old. he wasn't super old, but he's been having he's had health problems for a while. I remember in like the late two thousand like two thousand seven, two thousand eight, he had a stroke. Um, there was like a brief period of time where Bernard had a different trainer for a little bit because he was recovering from that. So he's had some health problems for a while, but, you know, he still was able to like make that recovery and then go on to have a sick, even more success as a trainer after that. Um, but, you know, it's just like, you don't really get a lot of trainers like that anymore. The ones that like will be at all of the fights, the ones that are willing to talk to you and like you know give you good insight um i remember those are i was reading some tweets from um breadman who's a, another philly boxing trainer he trains uh julian williams he was like i respect uh brother nazim so much because he was there when um j-rock got knocked out by uh jamal charlo he was the last person in the locker room with me and he was also the last person in the locker room when he beat jared hurt so it's like, you know, he's the, he was he's always there for his people, whether at their lowest lows or their highest highs. And he, he also had the unique ability to branch out, right? He trained Badr Hari for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a kickboxing champion, K1. And, and that's all points to him, like you're saying, and like you're getting at it, about him being a genuine person. And so this podcast definitely, you know, memorializes him. And we look to hopefully the best for his family. And anyone's survived by him. And it's just, you know, it's like you're saying, you don't get a lot of people like him in this community, right? Especially not in the boxing community, people Any who are genuine. Movies. Yeah, and I don't know if ever, right? Because like he is someone who is not necessarily the rule. He is the exception to the rule, which is why mm -hmm. he's so special, right? And exactly. I, I, I would say like to him, we say, surely we belong to Allah and to Allah we will return. Uh, so, you know, peace be to him and his family. Um, in other boxing news, moving on to a less somber topic, it looks like we have a, a big fight coming up. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Fight, if it's, yeah. I don't know if it's a big. So, you I know, last night we were talking big. about. Well, it's big in the pay per view sense. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very big in that sense, and they're two very large people fighting. I don't think they're cutting weight for this. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. are scheduled for an exhibition match soon, right? Yeah. So um, it was interesting. I was watching a YouTube video about um, this guy. Um, he's a chiropractor, actually. He's actually the chiropractor for um, Jackson Wink. Oh, but Bo, 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 what's his name? Hightower, yeah. Bo, Bo Hightower? Yeah, so he was Joe working... Joe Rogan thinks that guy is a kook, by the way. He thinks yeah. he's like he's like a fake I don't really doctor. watch his stuff for the chiropractor stuff. I watch it just for when he has interesting people on there. So he had Roy Jones on there recently, like maybe like a month or two ago. And he was like hinting at this. He was like, oh, Mike's coming back. You know, I'm a, I, I always wanted that fight even when I was a pro. So, you know, like... If he's trying to fight, I'm trying to fight. And a month or two later, we get an eight-round exhibition between Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. 
I don't know if this is better or worse than the Evander Holyfield Tyson uh, <laughs> rumors that were happening a couple weeks ago. I'm not sure if this is better or worse because Roy Jones has continued to box in Russia and has continued to get gotten the shit beat out of him, right? Not recently. So he has even, he's won, not recently. He's but he, but he went to Russia and he went yeah. to like fight in Russia for a yeah, long time. For sure. Um, at, least, at least Mike and Holyfield took a long break. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not... It's an exhibition. They're gonna be. It's gonna be headgear, and it's gonna be. Is there gonna be headgear? I heard there wasn't gonna be headgear. That's why I'm confused. If there's not gonna be headgear, um, I don't think I'm gonna watch it. Because people are people keep saying like, oh, it's an exhibition, but there won't be headgear, and I'm just like, then it's not an exhibition. That sounds like a pro match. Right. Um, if you're going by pro rules, unless they have bigger gloves or something, yeah, I, I, I don't know. If it doesn't have headgear, I don't know if I can support that. Listen, you know how, like, last night I was very upset on the Twitter about how, you know, Shogun and Lil Nog are fighting, right? Mm -hmm. And how we were saying, like, yeah, you could just find this fight in Langley Park or Hyattsville. You can find this. You can find this fight in, like, Forestville. You can find this fight, like, in Greenbelt. (laughs) Like, you want to see two (laughs) 50-year-old black uncles fight? Go somewhere else. Not to (laughs) pay-per-view. This is ridiculous. So... I think people have gotten enamored with pad porn. Yeah. So it's all pad porn. So I think what people have to understand is like, yes, is Mike Tyson probably faster than most 54 year old men on pads? Yes. Yes. Is he anywhere as close to where he was even when he retired? Absolutely not. Like, and anybody who has a trained eye in boxing can kind of tell that those punches are not coming off the same way. They look the same, and they probably hurt. I know they hurt, but they, it's not like, this is not. It's not about punching. This it's is about not, prime, not getting punched. Right. This is not prime Mike Tyson that we're, we're yeah. going to be watching fighting for Here's the now, issue. A lot of 50-year-old men can hit very, very hard. They just can't get hit. Right. You know, exactly. <laughs> it's the issue. Uh, like, I can find a lot of swole fifty-year-old men that can hit you really hard, but if you push them, they're gonna fall. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I don't. I don't think I'm gonna discuss who I think is gonna win because no one wins. Ridiculous. Everyone yeah. loses. <laughs> but it's interesting. I think Roy has fought relatively, like, relatively recency uh, compared compared to Mike. To Mike. <laughs> Um, and he's also in shape. He's not fat. Okay. Yes, they're both relatively in shape for their age. No, I think I don't. I know Roy Jones Jr. is not like cut up, but he is not. Oh yeah, fat they both either. they both they both have Mexican supplements on their side too. You understand this? Oh, oh okay. <laughs> like they're not. I mean, being, Mike, Mike Tyson's not pretty tested. pretty clean right now, except for all the weed. Yeah, but weed's not weed. Whatever. But, I, listen. I just think if Mike Tyson is fighting, there's probably a little trend hard eat clean going on. You know what did I'm you, saying? Did you see the promo? Oh uh, yeah, I did. Oh, the promo is incredible. Dude, <laughs> it's amazing. Listen, it's Mike Tyson. Like it's he's an amazing fighter. He can hit really hard. I just don't think fifty plus year old men should be fighting who have been fighting all their lives. This is not B Hop who like didn't fight, you know, forever and then decided to fight. This is these are two men who have already been through it, have already proven everything they need to prove, have ascended to the number one spots in the sport, respectively, at their times. They have, they're already legends. What is the point of this? Roy Jones won a silver medal in 1988. 
We didn't right? even, yeah, that's crazy. We weren't it's crazy born. That he's even like, oh, I'm going to still fight. <laughs> Why? Why do you need to do this? You know, and that's my 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 biggest issue is someone should be telling them like this. What is this for? Right? Yeah. Is this because like you want to scratch the itch again, then go spar in a couple like sparring matches and call it a day? Like, if it's a true fight? headgear, heavier gloves exhibition, I'm cool with it. I'm okay with it. I mean, what do you think of Jake Paul fighting Nate Robinson on the undercard? <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> this is a joke. Listen, I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's a joke, and we 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 kind of want to be a serious fighting podcast. But like, it was too us, big not to talk about. It yeah, we we can't, we can't ignore it. We can't ignore it. So let's uh, let's move on and and talk about some real boxing. You want to do a recap of the most recent card? Um. Yeah. So the uh, zone is back. Um. Golden Boy had a card headlined by Virgil Ortiz fighting Samuel Vargas. Um, many of my boxing people who are going to be tuning into this know Samuel Vargas from the Mir Khan fight recently. Um, he was also stopped by Errol Spence and Danny Garcia, I believe. So this was supposed to be like a, a tune-up, I guess. A step-up, kind of, but also a tune-up. Um, so I don't... <laughs> It is a tune-up, right? Which is yeah. kind of weird, because, like... So, um, Virgil was pretty dominant overall, for sure. But there were some... It was some things. Not, like, big things, but enough things to make you kind of, like... Uh, he might need two or three more fights before he's in, like, the world title thing. There were but, moments in Virgil Ortiz looked like he was in trouble, which shouldn't have happened in this fight, right? Mm -hmm. There were moments, I think, that we saw the beginnings of a plan to beat Virgil Ortiz if he steps up in talent, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, if someone if someone who's a better fighter watches that fight, they're going to be able to look at and capitalize on some of the mistakes he was making. But goddamn, that motherfucker is scary. <laughs> But that's the other side of things, right? It doesn't really matter because that dude hits really, really, yeah. and really he's hard. He's, he's very technical, too. I think he doesn't get oh, yeah. a lot of credit for that. Um, but he he has very good technique, uh, better footwork than I've seen before. But that's also because he hasn't gone that far before. And he probably hasn't had to use a lot of the tools that he has like that. And, you know, Samuel Vargas gave him a lot. Not a lot of trouble, but enough yeah. trouble for it to be, like, interesting. More interesting than we all thought it was going to be. So, Especially I, since a couple of fights before, he fought a guy, um, Mauricio Herrera, who's, like, the spoiler of all spoilers. Like, nobody looks good against Mauricio Herrera. Um, I thought, and a lot of people thought, that, Dan, that Andy Garcia lost to him a long time ago when they were at 140. Uh, and he knocked out Mauricio Herrera. No one has ever done that before. And, her I was washed at that point, but still, like, kind of old. That was supposed to be what I assumed Samuel Vargas ended up being. That was that fight, but it wasn't. So it was interesting. Um, I I still think he has a lot going for him. He's def I definitely think he's going to be a world champion one day. Oh, he is not ready for Keith Thurman. That's actually kind of what I was getting at. Like, I completely agree with you that he's the superior boxer. He's going to be great, and it's. But it just this fight just showed that he has a little bit more to go. 
you know, there's a little bit more left before he fights the Keith Thurmans of the world and before he dominates those two. He has all the right tools. He hits really hard. Like you said, this is the first time we've seen him go far enough for, where we, he had to use his footwork and some of his fundamentals. His dad is his trainer, right? No, his trainer is actually uh, Robert Garcia, Mikey Garcia's uh, Mikey brother. Garcia's brother? Okay. Yeah, yeah. and trainer. Um, okay. But, you know, COVID changes a lot of things so like, yeah i got you he couldn't go out to california to train with robert so he didn't his father was his training the amateurs though so it's not like, it's not, like yeah. yeah okay so. so yeah his main trainer is mikey garcia's brother okay yeah. and i think and his father is just like uh lead Corner? assistant oh yeah, okay. so like it's not it's not a huge fall off for him to take the place of robert and in like covid times and like he still looked great, even with like the small the small moments we're talking about. I think we're talking about because we are interested in what happens next, not because mm-hmm. we are analyzing this fight. Like he did bad, he did great. Yeah. So I don't know much about women's boxing, but like I know Snappy asked to talk like for us to talk about this. What the hell was that match? Look, I have no idea. Um, like who the, were those two women fighting? Like, I've who seen. Was the, um, I forgot her name, Semester, something like that. But I've seen her fight before. She's a beast. But, you know, when I first saw the card and they were talking about it, it was like, oh, there's two undefeated fighters fighting. I was like, all right, whatever. But when they were doing the pre-fight, like the pre-fight for that fight, mm-hmm. they were like, oh, this woman started boxing at 39. I just like, all right, well. 39? Yeah, she was 42 in the ring. She started at 39 because she was looking for an outlet because she was very, like, upset and depressed because her mom died of ovarian cancer. So she was uh, boxing like a therapy. Yeah. And I guess she looked really good in the gym, and they brought her in, and she was knocking out, like, people Wait. on her level, I guess. Yeah, I pros. guess, like... Okay. So they are like, all right, we don't have anybody to fight this person. Let's put her in. And, like, when I first was watching the car, I literally looked away when it stopped, it started. And then I looked back and she was on the floor knocked out. And I was like, what the Yo. hell just happened? And then when I watched it on replay, I was like, when she got out of the corner, I was like, oh my God, this is not okay. Like she wasn't, she was not prepared for that. Match- and, yeah, that's like a, that's like People a just- third fight as a, as a new pro fight. Like not someone who's 17 and up. That's, that's, that's crazy. That's they should be ashamed of themselves for that. That's not right. Yeah, they just served that poor woman up to die. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, man. Oh, well, mm-hmm. well you know. Shane Mosley Jr. was on the card, too. Now, I saw, I've seen a lot of him because I watched the new Contender Series. I don't okay. Know if you remember the Contender Series from the Yeah, yeah. I remember the old yeah. one, yeah. Yeah, so the new one was actually a lot more serious. That's actually very good. I don't know if it's, like, syndicated anywhere. It was on Epics, but, um. Andre Ward hosted it, and um, they had Freddie Roach as one of the coach, and Brother Nassim was the other coach. Oh, so they so have real coaches. like Yeah, so you got Roach. a really good intimate look at, like, a lot of these guys. And these guys were um, – their guys were pretty good for that level, and Shane yeah. Mosley was, like, the favorite to win the whole thing. I think on name recognition, prob- probably. Probably. Um, but he ended up losing to this guy in the final name, Brandon Adams, who actually ended up fighting um, – Jamal Charlo. Oh, okay. One of the Charlo brothers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Shane is good, but, like, I think he's just good. He's not, like, I don't think he's world championship caliber. Yeah, I mean. Um, 
I think a lot of his talent is literally because he's Shane Mosley's son. So it's a lot of like filter down stuff, but I don't think that it's, he's not like a natural. He's just good at it because he's been around it his whole life. So I, I think mean, there's, I think there's a cap on like how high he can go, I think. It's hard to say whether someone's a natural, right? I guess like like someone's like naturally really really good at boxing or not, but versus training, because like where that line is drawn is very unclear. But I think you're right. I think your overall point is right about there might be a ceiling for him. Yeah, but he, he looked all right. He didn't look that bad. But I mean, I don't yeah. know the guy he was fighting, so who knows? But what do you think of a uh, being back? Like, is it this is like for good, or is this like you think we're gonna get this another couple cards and there's gonna be a corona outbreak and we're gonna go back to not having it? Um, I don't know because Dazone hasn't been doing that great without boxing, and I, I, there's a lot of like there's a lot of talk about them getting like bought out or trying to find investors to like stabilize the ship because you know they missed out on a lot of stuff aj was supposed to fight in the summer there was supposed to be a bunch of uh dylan yeah. white fights in the summer uh canelo's was at two fights the uh, canelo fight, yeah is what kind of saves them generally right because they yeah. just get they do so well that's why they paid him all that money yeah but you know he's still has to get paid that money. That like he has a con. Like a he's guaranteed. Like, I get he's thirty six million dollars a fight, whether whether I'm fighting Triple G or whoever the fuck. So like that's a problem because they can't find people to fight him because no one wants to. No one wants to take a pay cut to fight Canelo when Canelo's not taking a pay cut. Pay cut. Yeah. No. Totally. Who would you put to fight Canelo right now? I think you gotta get the best you can get. You know. Um, so like I who, said, the whole thing about it is that we don't know when we're going to get crowds. If there's no live gate and they're not fighting on pay-per-view because they're on the zone, there's not a lot of incentive to fight Canelo because unless you knock him out, you're probably not going to get a fair shot even if you are outboxing him. At this point, he gets $36 million a fight for 10 fights. They're not about to let him lose in any yeah. of those 10 fights. <laughs> unless, I don't know how you have to – you would have to beat him up bad. And he's pretty good. It's not like yeah, it's exactly. not like that's easy to exactly. do. Exactly. <laughs> so like you know, I, it's hard to fight. I, every it seems like every day because new. Like it was supposed to be Billy Joe Saunders, and Billy Joe Saunders was like no, and then Tom Smith was like yes, but was no, and now it was Willie Monroe Jr. But I haven't seen any confirmation about that. But whatever. I don't. We'll see. I don't know. It's not yeah. worth it to me at well, this he, point. It's it's not worth it, right? It's not worth it to fight Canelo. In if the you're not going to get pandemic. paid for it, it's not yeah. worth. It's not in, worth in the middle of a pandemic. It's not worth it to fight Canelo because of what you said. He's going to get his 36 million. You might not get nearly as much because you don't have the live gate. It's not going to be on pay per view. There's just and DAZN doesn't have millions and millions of dollars to give to you because mm-hmm. they're in such dire straits anyway. So right. yeah. it's not worth it. That AJ fight might save him if it happens. You know. Yeah, but even the AJ fight, he's just fighting Pulev. He's not fighting Tyson Fury on there. So you know, we gotta we gotta wait but, for uh, the Wilder Fury three. Yeah, so <laughs> you know it's it's complicated right now. It's complicated for any live sports, but especially like except apparently for the UFC. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you I know, think we, I... we we haven't done that episode yet. But it's very clear reasons why that is Vi- successful. Yeah. 
oh yeah, you know, monopolies. Um, <laughs> when you're Mr. Monopoly, man, it's it's very easy to to win. Yeah, exactly. But I figured it'd be a good transition point to talk about um, the most recent fight night mm-hmm. and that happened last night as of recording today. What is today? Today is the 26th of July. Um, so that was Whitaker Till. It was a pretty decent card. Um, the prelims were relatively exciting. There were some decent fights. Uh, I think we should just start off at the main event and go from there. Main event was interesting. It was very kind of a technical fight. They were both kind of hesitant to, you know, just start going balls to the wall because both know the other is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Bobby Knuckles really did show out, though, and showed why he was champion and showed what he was. I think a lot of people who weren't familiar with the division before Izzy didn't know how good Robert Whitaker was. And now he's showing how good he was, right? Because he's been out for a while, right? He was injured. He has so many, so many roadblocks when he was champion. He um, spent 50 minutes with Yoel Romero. Yeah, which is crazy, right? And he didn't and live he, to tell the tale. Yeah, and he won. He, he beat yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> he lived and won. Yeah, so exactly. So. Yeah, he, he won, right? Um, if he wants to take a year off after fighting Yoel Romero twice for five <laughs> rounds and winning Can't be both, mad at him. Can't be mad at him. What you got to do there? Yeah, but last night, Bobby Knuckles showed why he's so good. Um, I would say Till looked good, except, you know, Bobby Knuckles looked better. Whitaker yeah. looked better. That That's all there is to it, right? It's not but that just saying something, I thought Till looked really good. Yeah, it's, it's not that Till looked bad. It's not that he didn't do well. It's not that he wasn't on his game. His takedown defense was doing super well. His ability to, like, hit Whitaker especially in that first round. He, he showed all the right signs. It's just Bobby Knuckles has a much wider range of MMA techniques mm-hmm. and much more, I think, relevant MMA experience at this level, right? Yeah, of course. And so when you're fighting someone who's that well-rounded, they're able to give you a bunch of different looks and they're able to knock you out, you got to be careful. That's, it, it's kind of the argument of like, how far does a specialist go versus how far does a, a, a all-arounder go, right? And it's, it's, it's a very big argument in MMA. Like, you can be someone who's really, really, really good at striking or really, really, really good at grappling, and that can get you really far. But then at some point, the ability to show different looks and the ability to be competent in all spaces really does make a difference. Because the reason Whitaker won that fight ultimately is because he was able to mix in the takedown attempts with his striking, with his calf kicks. He was able to clench him. He was able to show that he had other threats that kept Till thinking, you know? It, looked, it really looked like a mixed martial artist fighting a Ex- kickboxer. Exactly. And, and that, I think, was the big difference last night. Um, what did you think? Uh, more or less the same. I was very impressed by Robert Whitaker's just overall, like, technique. Um, you know, I kind of came into MMA a little after um, the second Yoel fight. So I didn't – a lot of what I've seen of Robert Whitaker has been, like, going back and looking at it, but I never really got a chance to look at him up close, except for the Izzy fight, which I thought he actually looked good in that fight too, until he didn't. But – he was just um, burned out. Yeah. And, you know, you could tell that you could see the difference. You could really see the difference in between the Rob Whitaker that came into the Izzy fight and the Rob Whitaker that came into the Till fight. That body language was so different, man. Yeah. I mean, you saw a different person. Yeah, it looked like he was trying to force himself to get up for that. Not like he didn't, not like in the sense of like he thought Izzy was not a worthy opponent, but it was like 
he just looked like someone that was tired and was like trying to force themselves awake to be like like he was having a bad day at the office he's just like man i gotta go in today this is my day off (laughs) like he didn't want to have that nine o'clock meeting and you know sometimes it whoops your ass if you're not ready for it exactly uh till looked really good too you know his feints are incredible his footwork is really good too he kind of reminds me a lot of like Tyson Fury a little bit like the way that he uses his feints <laughs> and like it's kind of ironic because Fury was training with him for MMA for I might say yeah they, they, they did but, train together <laughs> yeah but like yeah it was it was interesting to see I think um I still would want to see we talked about this offline I want to see Till and Izzy fight just because I think that would be a really cool fight to watch I mean, everyone wants that fight obviously it's Izzy- not going to happen Izzy really wants that fight too. He was tweeting about it. He's like, "Man, stay up, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> I want to um, fight you one day." Do you think Robert gets a rematch shot? Or um, the I, next I think, title shot? Or? I think no, no. It, it depends, right? I think obviously if Izzy loses to uh, Costa, I think Whitaker might get a shot. Um, I think if I think if Izzy wins, Whitaker's got to beat one more guy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because. Well, this is hard to say, right? Because I'm saying this because of COVID, more or less. Right. I don't like. I think in the usual in the usual way this goes, I think Izzy beats Costa, Whitaker gets Izzy again, right? Because they both had a fight after they both had a fight since they last fought, both won, so they they fight again. Right. Or if Izzy loses to Costa, Costa fights Whitaker because Whitaker won, and then Costa won, right? Um, I don't know in COVID times how this works out. So I think if Izzy beats Costa, I think Whitaker gets Cannoneer and that winner goes to Izzy. That makes sense. Um, Jared Cannoneer is the dark horse of that division. When is the last time Jared Cannoneer's fought? He fought Hermanson in the summer. And this he, summer? Last summer. summer last summer, last year, yeah. Okay. And he was supposed to fight Whitaker, I believe. Yeah, it didn't happen. And then he uh, tore his shoulder muscle yeah, or something, something like that. His labrum or something. Yeah. So he's been out. Um, but yeah, he was supposed to fight Whitaker. And he was also supposed to be the um, on standby fighter for if Yoel Romero missed weight. That's a really tough fight to come back to after being out a year to have to fight Robert Whitaker back in form. Yeah, but you know, you don't you don't get tune ups. You don't get you don't get tune ups in MMA. That's true. Yeah. You don't get tune ups in MMA. And even what if else? he and even yeah. if he didn't fight Robert Whitaker, he still has to fight a top ten guy. And That's they're all true. Da- they're all dangerous in the top ten. I was gonna say I, I thought maybe Cannonier would have to you know beat up Till, um, but I don't know because I don't know what you do with Till. Till fights uh, Hermanson. Really? I think so. Hmm. He, I can't guess, fight, yeah. he can't fight Gaslam again, obviously. Yeah, he can't fight Gaslam again. Hermanson just beat Gaslam. So, yeah, I guess that, that makes a lot of sense. Man, Till really does get murderers row here, huh? But I think he wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, he chooses these fights. Like, he calls out the best people and he fights the best people. I really like him at 185. Yeah. It's the only time that I haven't seen him, like, you know, just be, like, look disgusting. Yeah, he looks really good at at one, uh, 185. So, also on this card, there was a really bullshit decision in Esparza versus Rodriguez. Um, I think you and I both disagreed with the judges on that. We did not see how Esparza won that fight. 
why she gets, Spar- a, she gets a lot of interesting decisions but... just like what did they see there yeah um, it, like her takedowns didn't do much she got swept a couple times when she did get the takedown and then as a result got ground and pounded like i don't think um that was the the right fight quote unquote like to to let her win but judges are gonna judge <laughs> yeah judges uh, are gonna judge we're gonna talk about the, the old man fight no i don't want to <laughs> we can really. um, so uh, Shogun beat Lil Nog next um the verdum the and gus's fight was interesting that was actually a really yes that was interesting interesting is the best word for it right i yeah. think gustafson can do well at heavyweight um he didn't look terrible but as soon as that fight went to the ground it was over yeah i mean but that that's for that's for doom right yeah he's the the best submission specialist probably ever at heavyweight oh yeah for sure and i think he's just one of the best practitioners of grappling at heavyweight like you know all respect to daniel cormier and his olympic wrestling but like i think if there was a grappling only match i think verdum would win mm-hmm. um because verdum's beaten plenty of high level wrestlers at adcc before you know yeah, what i'm saying exactly. twice yeah so it's just like i i don't think there's a single person at heavyweight who beats verdum on the ground purely on the ground obviously yeah. maybe who am I? maybe mere but even then i don't know Maybe I I I don't think so. I don't yeah, think so because, um, yeah. Uh, Pitched at the chill something for a submission on underground. Oh God. Um, um but yeah, I kind of so I think that that was a bad matchup for Gustafson for his first fight at heavyweight, but that's not really that important. But I think he brings an interesting style to that division because his footwork is really good and much better than most heavyweights he doesn't look that small but he also was fighting a smaller heavyweight so we don't know but he didn't look like Gian Vellante <laughs> fighting a heavyweight <laughs> he just looked like he didn't cut weight which is fine yeah and he looks like he still got his bounce you know he was still bouncing on that front leg he was still moving around like yeah. from the little that we saw it looks like he could have a future here if he wants it, you know? And if he's truly not, um, you know, not burnt out anymore, which is why he retired in the first place, then I think he's, he's pretty good. Uh, so there was a bit of controversy on this card with Herb Dean. Um, there was uh, basically Francisco Trinaldo defeated a guy named Jay Herbert. Uh, Trinaldo's 41 years old, by the way. And he basically, like, took it to, to Jay Herbert and, like, knocked him the hell down. And then it was just kept beating on him, and uh, Herb was a little late to stop it. And I'm not so, mad at that. Dan Hardy was Stan yeah. Hardy was yelling at her. So I, I'm very quick to be like, stop fights if it's not, if it should be stopped. But I could see why Herb did not stop it. Whether he should have stopped it or not is a different question. But I say. could, yeah. you could clearly, I think you could clearly see why. Like, yes. He was starts for like a second, but then when that one second, he, he kind of like he did kind of attempt to defend himself, which is what I saw Herb saw. So he let him go, but I understand why there was some controversy there. I just don't think that that might be too hard for 
Dan Hardy is a professional fighter, so he is. I'm not going to say that he was wrong, but like for people who are watching from their couch, I think in that sense, it's kind of hard for us to be like, you know what, maybe that was a late stop. I agree with you. Like, there was definitely some sign of like he definitely like went out and came back in again, right? Yeah. He like you know he hit the mat, he was out for a sec, he came back in again. Um, you he know, probably hit the mat and came back. Came back. That's, yeah, that's why. That's why he came back, right? Yeah. And I just I think that. Herb has a tough job, obviously. Uh, I, like you, err on the side of caution, stop the fight early, you know, save a life. But I can also see why Dan Hardy was quite upset because if you're sitting cage side and you hear that thunk of the punch and then you hear that thunk to the mat, in your, in your head, especially cage side, like when you can hear it and because there's no crowd, it's much easier to hear. You're like, why isn't this stopped? He can't see what Herb sees, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's why that happened. But I at least wanted to address it because I know yeah. some people were like in an uproar about it. So I took a quick look at the middleweight rankings. Okay. I forgot that Brunson and Shabazian are fighting this week. Well, oh, I yeah. Didn't forget, I didn't forget that. <laughs> I forgot they're both middleweights. I forgot ranked. that that could be a potential <laughs> fight for either Till or Hermes. Oh, Whitaker. Yeah, yeah we completely um, probably forgot not about Whitaker. that. Probably not Whitaker. Probably not Whitaker. Well, it um, depends. It depends because... Well, if Shabazian wins, maybe. Because yeah. Whitaker knocked out Brunson, I'm pretty sure. A while ago, though. Yeah. But yes, but yeah, yeah, you're right. That That's already happened. But I think if Shabazian wins, then maybe. Because I, I just don't know where this goes with COVID. But then again, and where they're from, COVID doesn't exist anymore because they have a you know, relatively intact government. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so UFC could literally just go do an event there. It'd be fine. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, there's some there's some options for two, and Hermanson. Uh, there's also the inevitable winner between Romero and Uriah Hall, um, which is an interesting fight, also. But that's a that's an old man, another old man fight. Old, keep, <laughs> all these old people just keep fighting. Yeah, but you know things like logic doesn't apply to Uriah Romero. So yeah, that, that the fact that him and uh, so supposedly Lil Nog are the same age. Like blew my mind. They're both forty-four. I thought Romero was forty-two. I just saw a but tweet last enough. night. Close. I saw a tweet last night. It could be. It could be just Twitter bullshitting. But I was like, someone, someone sent a tweet that basically said, "Yo, Romero and Lil Nog are the same age, and one looks like this, and the other one looks looks like this." And I was just like, "What?" <laughs> but even if they're forty-two and forty-four, that's still they look ridiculously oh, different. He's forty-three. Romero's forty-three. Romero's forty-three. So that's yeah, definitely close, close enough. enough. He is. I don't know. I don't know if there's if there's supplements involved or not. Like even if there's supplements involved, like that is <laughs> even, a, that even is then, a crazy it's really hard. Person. Yeah, it's a crazy looking person. Speaking of like dangerous middleweights, um, you know, last night we saw him at welterweight, but uh, Hamzat Shimavev, which is like the new guy on the <sighs> block, he just seems to be starching people, like the new Khabib. Yeah, <laughs> um, at one seventy, he wants to keep going. Dan says put him on another card in two weeks. This is ridiculous. Like, this guy is a machine, you yeah. know? Like, with, I just, I don't understand how this guy is this good. I also don't understand how he makes welterweight. Yeah, he's you know? a big guy. He's huge. Um, but, you know, he's 8-0, and he's doing really, really well, and it's really interesting to watch him. I mean, I don't quite understand how he's doing this. Is he, from, is he from the, uh, is he from Dagestan or he's like greater Russia? I, I think he's from 
kind of that general area, right? But let me, I can do a quick Google and tell you. Um, because it's, I don't understand who this guy is, where he came from, but he is pretty amazing. Like every single UFC fight that I've watched him in, he just does better and better. And he's only 26 years old. He was born in 94. He's younger than me. Well, younger than you too. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of amazing, right? Yeah. Like I didn't, that was unexpected. But just thinking about like the fact. Sweden? Well, he like trains there. He's definitely Russian, but like he like trains in, in like by way of Sweden or something, you know? Yeah, Chechnya. That's kind of. Uh, oh, he's Chechen. Yeah. Oh, he's different. So Dagestan is definitely near Chechnya. It's not super far. Don't don't kill me, geography guys. But in the sense that culturally, they're not super far from each other. Both like heavily Muslim populated areas. Chechens have a very independent spirit. Not going to get into geopolitics on this podcast, but they are also a very very tough people. And they are their own people for sure. Yeah, man. All those, all those like pseudo Russian Soviet Union areas. <laughs> they, like yeah. the way that they train for combat sports is just completely different than anybody else. It's you either get like yeah. the killers, like Khabib and this guy, or you get like these like extremely potent technicians like Lomachenko. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And the fact that there's just this, and we can cut this out too, but like it, the fact that there's like these like pockets of like really like interesting martial arts. Like there's just like a, a village in Dagestan where they just do they have all these high level wushu fighters. Like it just seems so random to me. Yeah, it's like a dude that learned Sanda came by there one day. They all are like, huh, we like the Sanda thing. And then all of a sudden one of them becomes Sanda world champion. Yeah, exactly. Like what? It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Um, is there anything else you wanted to go over on this fight card? Uh, not really. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty. It was okay. I like Paul Craig a lot. Uh, he's the Scottish uh, heavyweight. That was like relatively cool to watch. But other than that, it was a pretty. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, Oliver. It, it was a nasty triangle. You put that guy in. Yeah, he, he definitely did the whole sub, uh, position before submission thing. He locked up his legs in the diamond, did the right thing, made sure that the arm was in as well. So if he had to transition to the arm bar, it was there. It was just really cool to watch, like, very solid, fundamental jiu-jitsu to happen in MMA, mm-hmm. from especially. And so that, that was, that was, that's why I liked that fight. But I did want to hit on Oliveira and sort of the whole, like, how well he used his front kicks and how well he used almost like a Taekwondo style with his hands low, giving them mm-hmm. the ability to sort of move left to right and slip, but also, too, isn't yeah, Oliver has been around. Yeah. He's been around. And just that unique style of like being able to keep your hands down, being fast enough to get out the way and use your hands for balance to keep your guard out heat to keep your Like he kept his right hand um, out in front of him, but still low and just, spam those kicks those front kicks those side kicks all those kicks it was pretty much a clinic to watch and that was pretty cool definitely a different side of striking that you don't see every day yeah. but i think that's it for now right yeah i was trying to make something else no. all right do a quick box right